Well, then, let's on fire, but we're here to talk gibberish, aren't we, Dom? Yep. Come, mm-hmm. sit and listen to us talk bullshit while, uh, while Twitter burns. <laughs> One of the largest, most revolutionary social media platforms of the entire history of the internet has just been purchased by a man by the name of I- Elon Musk. I believe the name is Elon Musk. You may uh, People apparently have heard of him before. We've not heard of him here. Um, but yeah, he has apparently yeah. decided to grab hold I've of... also heard him called Elon Muske. <laughs> Elon oh, Muske. He is South African. They do have some interesting pronunciations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he has decided to buy Twitter for $44 billion, uh, with the leading estimates for the company yep. being apparently $22 billion. Yep. And and he just recently tweeted two hours ago, Freedom Fridays, dot, dot, dot. Freedom Fridays from a man threatening to ban people... Uh, who do not explicitly state that they are satire accounts after he allows people to become verified with brand new accounts for $8. I... There are no words, people. Uh, <laughs> I, this actually prompted a discussion um, for us as to what we do in terms of... Because Twitter, people think it's going to just implode within five minutes, and that's entirely possible. But at the same time, I don't see it as being such a, a quick thing. I think if it is going to Crumble, it'll take some time to implode. But we have a small presence on Twitter, just mostly to post random videos we find interesting or keep people updated on the process of new shows and obviously to announce when new episodes come out. But in terms of an actual social media platform, it's been dead for a while. I feel there's no interaction uh, between people anymore on that platform. And if there is interaction, it's screaming about politics. Oh, yeah, it's, it's people using their platform to say that Donald Trump should come back and Elon Musk should do the right thing and bring Donald Trump back and it's Elon Musk trying to be a you know the the troll that everyone didn't want to talk to in high school. You, you know that guy. No yeah. one wants to talk to him but he's just gonna go oh I signed up to four different you know Twitter accounts and just type you know dicks all over. It's, it's so it's nothing weird. else, just the word dicks all over. <laughs> but the uh I think we all knew the writing was in the on the on the wall when he walked into the Twitter like headquarters carrying a sink and saying just bought Twitter let that sink in uh, oh no you're a grown up who thinks like a child what are you doing he's the head of like several you massive companies moron. <laughs> he's he wants people to go to Mars I don't trust it anymore I was up for going to Mars I, I don't care if I die on the first flight there but at the same time now that I know he's running that I'm like oh shit what have we all been deceived into hoping with this guy? He's insane. But yeah, we, we looked at we're looking at alternatives um, in terms of social media platforms. Uh, I see Mastodon has been trending for the last couple of days, which is annoying because it got me excited for new Mastodon albums that don't exist. Um, I was hoping to get a bit of rock and roll in my yeah. life, and now just apparently there's, a, there's an alternative to Twitter out there called Mastodon. Um, we have uh, there's Reddit. I don't think we have, we, I definitely don't have a Reddit account anymore. Um, there's YouTube, we do have a YouTube platform, um, so yeah, we, we can post there. And they are actually opening up some of their slightly more social media features to other, or to smaller level content creators. Uh, for example, I got an email this week, despite the fact I don't have the uh, previously required thousand subscribers on YouTube, I have um, been, or have unlocked community posts. So I, you can post there at lower levels now. So we can actually put discussion things up, discussion threads, um, on our YouTube channel. But we'd have to maybe build up a little bit to get to that far. So yeah, YouTube's there as an option. Uh, the alternative is a Discord. We could 
build a Discord uh, server for uh, the community. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get into that right now, uh, but Discord is a, a weird, strange alien beast that takes a while to master. And it's not exactly user-friendly unless you're already in the kind of the sphere of users or Discord. So if you're not used to using it, it's kind of a shit show. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I, I find the initial experience with Discord to be very unfriendly, Dom. Uh, I was never a fan of Discord. I personally think that game-based chat ser- or chat services peaked at X-Fire and never got better. Uh, oh, going to Discord, it was just various little platforms that I had to jump over just so I could talk to people on Discord or talk on the internet again. So I don't like Messenger because that means, you know, too close to Facebook. Yeah. I, and, yeah. I was going to say, I feel like... Discord the, could uh, be there. Yeah, I think you're right with the X-Fire being the peak of, uh, like, gaming, uh, like, chat servers, just because it was literally just AOL Messenger, which is the peak of all conversations um, on the internet. And it was just, it was a version of that that went over your video games. It was perfect. It did exactly what it needed to do. Discord's trying to do that, but they've, I think, in a way, Discord's kind of too complicated. Mm-hmm. There's too many features to Discord, but to be fair, it does what I does what I need it to. Yeah, and that's just... I'm not exactly complaining about it. it. It does exactly what you need to do with the, the basic version, but if you actually try to run the server and add on all these little mods and uh, attachments or bots that run through the servers to get to like the really high level stuff it's kind of insane at points like it's borderlines on computer programming at points so i'm I'm gonna see what um see if it's possible to establish something that's easy to use for people because i know we've got a lot of people from a variety of backgrounds that listen to the show so you don't want to make something super like tech heavy and geeky and then just have it be inaccessible to people who might enjoy the podcast want to be part of the community but can't figure out what the hell to do so i mean if if you're out there and no alternative social media platforms Hit us up on Twitter while it's still there. <laughs> you can do that at Jibberpish Podcast. Yeah. No, at Jibberpish. I was going to say at Jibberpish. At Jibberpish Podcast at gmail.com as well. Yep. But yeah, if you want to reach out to us. As, and- as I found out when using Twitter recently, there is another Jibberpish Podcast that oh. used the same handle as us. So. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. You be careful. <laughs> Hmm. I wonder. <laughs> I I wonder if they get yelled at for talking about Superman. <laughs> Superman's not that important. Fuck off. <laughs> Stop talking about this. No, they're they're gibberish X. Huh. Interesting. And they're also from Scotland as well. Have we, hmm. That's odd. Oh, I mean, they talk about mental health at school. They, they do something worthwhile. We just talk about comics and farts. Yeah. I mean. I, I I guess that's if you want to be like helping make the world a better place and stuff, yeah, whatever. Or you could be comic books, but people are actually doing the same thing. So, kind of fifty fifty yeah. on that one. Yeah, with superpowers. Too. Yeah, Did they have superpowers. No, didn't think so. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting situation. Um, I I'll send you a link to a video by a guy called Jay Aubrey who has made a just. A video explaining why, if you knew who Elon Musk really is, you shouldn't be surprised by what he's done with the Twitter platform. It's about 40 minutes, but it goes through the guy's entire life, so it's kind of kind of impressive that he managed to condense all the bullshit down to just this. But yeah, um, Elon Musk's, maybe the, the worst thing he did wasn't on SNL. 
fuck was he on SNL as well? Yeah. I thought the, the peak of his, his shape was uh, smoking weed with Joe Rogan. Oh, I wish. Um, he had a sketch. Uh, obviously, he did the opening monologue. Uh, he does not do monologues well, funnily enough. Um, as a guy who barely can you know, hold a conversation with a stoner, you know, it's kind of um, embarrassing to see him up there on on a, on a stage giving an opening monologue to a, a media audience of a couple hundred people, but then knowing that it's also being broadcast to millions across the US. Um, compare that that <laughs> compare that to something like uh, Dave Chappelle, who was on recently for the the Saturday Night Live monologue. And it's like, hmm, okay, there's a, there's clearly a performance art to this that Elon just lacks. And uh, yeah, it's uh, he, I think one of his sketches was putting Wario through court, and it was just horrific to watch. That I mean, SNL as a sketch show is kind of hit or miss at points, but the, his entire show was just miss after miss after miss. Speaking of misses, um, I believe just hearing just just hearing that he he tried to put Wario. On an SNL sketch just proves that he was like, yeah, let's do something weird and random. Like, <laughs> okay. I'll do something random and gamery for all my gamer fans. Stop, Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, all I guarantee he didn't even get offered to be on SNL. He paid for it. He was just like, I'll give you $2 billion. Just let me on. They're like, ah, fine. It's like, shit, that does pay for the next five seasons. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a weird one. Yeah, I that, does, that sets us up for the next several years so we'll take <laughs> but as I say, speaking of the gamers um, I believe this week we've received the uh, the official list of the Game Award nominees the uh, the Game Awards are always a bit of a controversial pick throughout the year but there's um, I feel like this year it's a bit different I've noticed there's like four nominees for most of the categories this year for the Game Awards and while I don't disagree with them all as good games for every category, I think for the the, the big ones, um, and actually, and and for some reason, voting is taking place through Discord as well as a few other online sites. But they've put up a Discord server to help you vote. Which yeah, I'm pretty sure I just connected my stuff through a website and I got to nominate myself there. I think I linked it through my Twitter. Funnily enough, hmm. if my internet holds together, I'll be able to get up a list of the, well, the um, nominees. I can get you for Game of the Year. We have. Starting from the top, Elden Ring, uh, A Plague Tale, Requiem, uh, God of War Ragnarok, Xenoblade Chronicles, Stray, and Horizon Forbidden West. Best Game Direction, uh, which is weird that there's Game Direction and Best Game are just separate categories. I don't know what the technical definition for the director would be, but I mean, interesting choice. Again, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Immortality. Most anticipated, which is the most bullshit category I've ever heard of in my entire life. Literally, what's the most hyped thing possible? Um, Starfield by Bethesda, Resident Evil 4, uh, the remake, uh, Hogwarts Legacy, uh, Final Fantasy 16, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Hmm. For best community, which is an interesting choice. I like that that's there. Um, something about just It's mostly for these longer term yeah. online games. I quite like that they've made something for it though. Um, you have Fortnite, Destiny, Apex Legends, Final Fantasy fourteen, No Man's Sky. You then have a bunch of extra uh, categories that break down basically each category of type of game. So like best first person shooter, best racing game, uh, technical awards like best uh, art direction, best score and music, audio design, best performance, so obviously for your voice actors, 
uh, games for Impact, um, which I guess is... Um, I don't actually know what the definition for the games of Impact is, but I guess it'd be kind of social stuff. Um, like Yeah, it... games for Impact. Games that, uh, you know, show off. Like They're not your just typical, here's a, here's a guy, he's got a gun, he's going to kill the guys, that kind of thing. Games that have a, a message to them, games that show off different aspects of the community and shit like that. That's why yeah, life is strange and there's other there's tons of those types of games now. Mm. Uh that that's a category specifically for those type of games. Uh best ongoing game, best independent game, best mobile VR and AR games, uh innovation and accessibility. That's a good one. Um best action game, they have different categories of different games. Uh best fighting game. I imagine that's quite controversial. Yep, that's the- that's the one I wanted to talk about because one of the nominees isn't even a fucking fighting game, right? <laughs> Sifu may have fighting in it. It is not a fighting game. I think a fighting I game know about Sifu. It's a multiplayer. I think I know about Sifu. I remember hearing, I think it's Super Eyepatch will talk about this in his gaming podcast. And he was talking about that mm-hmm. this is like you start off as the same guy running into the same levels. Um, and you're yeah. you have to basically fight your way to the top. Um, and you've got yeah. like 60 odd tries the mechanic to do it. is that you can I think the mechanic behind it is you start off as a child and you're kind of weak but you've got a lot of health right but then as you get your ass kicked you become older but stronger but your health pool diminishes so hmm. by the time if you're getting your ass kicked a lot by the end of the game you are fairly old no health but you're incredibly strong right okay interesting choice but like when we talk about fighting game, you're talking about a versus, like a two player uh, side yeah. scrolling beat up, you know? Not necessarily scrolling beat up, but a like two player like fighting game like Mano and Mano. So King of Fighters, yeah. Multi versus, DNF Duel, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, All Star Battle R. I mean, just first of all, fucking JoJo's game, I don't like JoJo's. Um, but the the rest of these, like, there's no, was there no Capcom releases? No, nothing like that? Uh, no, Capcom, their latest fighting game was genuinely. Uh, a re-release compilation for uh, PlayStation, Xbox, I'd put fucking dog loop right at me and yawned. <laughs> Does he not know he contains magical yawning powers? Even you saying the word knocked off. I, but Capcom haven't really released a new fighting game in a while. They're kind of putting all their money and effort into Street Fighter 6, which they've delayed until March or April next year, which I used to be the kind of person to grumble about delays, but now it just means that they're putting a bit more polish on it, so I'm fine with that. But getting back to Sifu, it's an action game. Mm-hmm. It's not a fighting game, because there's fighting in it. doesn't make it a fighting game. Kratos in God of War Ragnarok uses his fists. Can God of War Ragnarok be put into another category for nomination? Because Kratos punches a couple of dragons? I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> yeah, I mean... For my money, multiverses should take that, uh, take that accolade because it's genuinely the best fighting game that I've played this year. Interestingly enough, it's also up for best multiplayer game, along with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge. Yeah, uh, as much as I like multiverses, Shredder's Revenge is a fucking masterpiece. That game is superb. Really? Okay. Give that. Uh, it's fucking amazing. If you could kind of circling back to the whole Game of the Year nomination, it's no secret that I fucking love Xenoblade Chronicles 3 and the whole Xenoblade series. Putting it up against 
Elden Ring. In fact, putting it up against Elden Ring on its own isn't fair. Because Xenoblade, paratively, is a niche game. Everybody in their fucking dog knows about Elden Ring. Mm. It's going to be one of those situations where there'll be a lot of fan... I think actually with Elden Ring, I think it's been too far gone. It's been 10 months since most people played that game. And, or a lot yeah. of people will still be kind of coming back to it here and there. But a lot of the initial hype has been like from 10, 8 months ago. I think in terms of the voters, or people who actually cast votes on this one, it'll be a case of, I think God of War might take it just based on it being so recent, uh, very well made, it's a very good looking game, and then it coming out as being just kind of a big moment for God of War fans. I think they may be hyped up in time, just in time to vote, basically. Because um, it's the same thing with, in the best adaptation car- category, you have Arcane, League of Legends, Cyberpunk Edgerunners, Cuphead Show, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and Uncharted. Now, first of all, how the fuck did Uncharted get on there? Yeah, that's a good point. I understand Cuphead, because <laughs> that's actually a good adaptation. Yeah, Cuphead Cyberpunk Edgerunners, uh, apparently, I've not watched it all, uh, but I've heard from my brother that it's really good. Yeah. And that generated hype for uh, Cyberpunk again, and they updated the game, and now that game's getting really good numbers again. Yeah. Cyberpunk Hedgehog. The Uncharted was... film yeah. with uh, Tom Holland apparently was a pile of shit. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cyberpunk Hedgehog was good enough to bring back Cyberpunk 2077. Um, I did hear a lot of things about Arcane League of Legends when it first came out, and I, it was one of those things where people in the anime community watched it and were like, wow, this is really fantastic animation. Um, and we, I really, people like the textures, uh, people like the, the characters, the world building. And the way it's actually balancing the fact that it's from League of Legends, but you don't need to know anything about League to watch it. It's a good narrative story. The same way mm-hmm. that Cyberpunk Edgerunners does. Cuphead does it as well, but it's more of a kind of cartoony show. There's less of a serious yeah. narrative going through it. Yeah, Cuphead is basically a callback to those uh, the old classic uh, they're called Merry Melodies, the old Looney Tunes, uh, Disney cartoons, where it's just here's, here's the main character. The main character gets in a what, gets what, in a bit of fracker, and what, then what wacky we'll see what happens will be happening the this week. Yeah, yeah, it's like wacky, wacky shit's going to happen this week, and Cuphead and Mugman are going to deal with it. Yeah, so but, there's not really a through narrative. Mm, it's I, still, it still kind of harnesses the, the show and just kind of says, "Well, this is what they do in the game. We're not going to have them run and shoot, you know, bullets at the fingers, but you know, we're going to basically, we're still going to make the make it as faithful to the show as we can." Mm. I think. As much as Arcane... I'm going to watch Arcane League of Legends at some point, probably this weekend, to get some kind of perspective on what the actual matchup is. Um, but for me right now, Cyberpunk Edgerunners takes it in a win easy. That show, like, really ran through the anime community in a big way, to the point where we're still listening to the soundtrack. Um, a lot of us... I mean, I found uh, that Netflix, uh, they have an anime like YouTube channel where they post like trailers and clips and stuff like that. They also posted the biggest song from the, the soundtrack, which is also in the soundtrack for the game, which is I Really Want to Stay at Your House. We've actually put that in the, the show notes for a couple, for like two episodes back. Um, and they took that, they made an AMV of it, like an anime music video, to the music that's awesome. And then in a total meme move, decided to post it, but like a one hour version. So it's just the song looping like 20, uh, 20 times and then put it up on YouTube because that's what anime fans do. And I'm like, that's fucking hilarious. 
when Netflix came into the anime game, everyone's like, oh, they'll never actually merge into the anime community properly. I'm like, no, they're just fucking like us. <laughs> At least the person running the social media platforms is. They're just yeah. taking the piss. Fucking great. So I I think Cyberpunk Edgerunners wins that one. I think there'll be a loud outcry when it does happen. Um, because something like Arcane League of Legends probably might deserve it more. Um, but I'll, I'll see about that in terms of adaptation. But um, you know, I could see Sonic Hedgehog winning it. It depends how fast the fans can kind of gather together and just start dumping votes into this one. Um, I, I don't see Cuphead taking it, and if Uncharted gets it, nah. <laughs> That's how you know the fix is in. Yeah. So, Sony's paying for too much of the advertising. Because Sony's trying to make those video game movies work. Yeah, if it's getting bad to the point where I know some proper PlayStation diehards and Uncharted diehards that went to see the film and came back with that was that was bad. It just if it didn't work, it felt it felt kind of janky. Uh, just Tom Holland wasn't really that good character in it, and it was just. A film that was as highly anticipated as Uncharted was to then just fall flat on its face, and to have as big a fan base as that does to disappoint on the back of it, mm. it was yeah. And then to see that get a, a adaptation of the year award from the Game Awards, okay. Sony's just gonna say we're gonna pay this much in advertising, but on the back of that, you need to give Uncharted a nomination. Yeah, we got studios. I think yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog's gonna take it. Yeah, it is possible. Sonic Two was a brilliant film. Mm. I um I I think we'll see, but other than that, I mean the the rest of the words are esports stuff. I I'm not really that interested in esports. Um, yeah, me neither. Content creator of the year was interesting, just because Carl Jacobs of Minecraft Uber Ludwig, who is less of a content creator, he does gaming stuff, but he's he's now such an elder statesman of uh, video game and content creation. He's more into that kind of side of things. Uh, Nebelian, don't know who that is. Nobru, don't know who that is. And then QT Cinderella, who I think is Ludwig's girlfriend. Can't be certain of that one. Need to double check, but I'm pretty sure that it's QT Cinderella that's his girlfriend, so that's interesting. And the fact that there's not like uh even one VTuber on there is interesting because VTubers had a big year for the last year and don't recognize a lot of the people on this list. Um same goes for uh, just when you were saying about Nebellion, Nebellion is a guy who basically confirms and correlates leaks and just if there's gaming news, he was making a go-to before he decided. You know what? Twitter's kind of a cesspool. I'm bugging out for a couple, of, <laughs> for a couple of days. I do recognise Nebelian because I saw the Mob Cycle 100 logo for his name. I was like, oh, it's kind of yeah. interesting that somebody like that could have a um, Mob Cycle 100 logo. But then, yeah, I actually, do remember him saying that uh, he was actually going to quit Twitter and leave to be somewhere else. Ah, here's an interesting part. Blair, known online as QT Cinderella, is an American Twitch streamer and YouTuber. Known as the creator and co-host of the Streamy Awards. Interesting. Mm. Very, very. What's the Streamy Awards? Um, it's kind of like the YouTube version of the Emmys. Ah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's interesting that she's just she's basically you know online content creation royalty. So, right. all right, yeah, that's that's fine. Um, but yeah, I just I looked at that and I'm like, hmm, odd selection of people. I don't. I recognise Ludwig. Um, he's pretty good. I like some of his stuff. He's very good at kind of uh, talking about content creation, which I find quite interesting. What's going on in the community? Because I, I don't have time to pay attention to it. He just likes to summarise things in videos. I'm like, cool. Sorry, I don't need to pay attention to all the fucking nonsense going on with you people. 
Yeah. So yeah, but gamer of the year or content creator of the year because that's what it it was technically. I think was gamer of the year. Um, because yeah. I remember Boogie won it at one point. Uh, Boogie ten two ninety eight, and I'm like, hmm, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was that before he threatened someone with a gun? Must have been before. I don't think they let you on after you threatened someone yeah. with a gun. Because. <laughs> Pardon the pun, but he literally shot his shot himself in the foot on that one. Yeah, he fucked that one. Up, fucked that one up royally because I remember before that people were on his side because he was getting fat shamed or somebody by some. He was the guy fat shamed by somebody. The guy he was the guy he shot at was harassing him and was stalking yeah. him and was in like flew from out of state to be in his town to send him a photo of his house to say I'm outside, bitch. What are you gonna do about it? And that's what kicked off the, the whole altercation that resulted in him firing a gun. Um, yeah, so he was being stalked and harassed by somebody. And yeah, he decided to fire a gun within a couple hundred yards of a school. So yeah, he got fucked and shafted on that one. And it has... Yeah. I remember seeing an interview with him, and he was saying he's now really in the shit um, financially. So he's trying to scrape together the cash to sort himself out. And obviously he's a large man. He cannot do traditional work. So it has to be online. He has to find ways of making money online now. And you're like, ah, it's such a shame to see something like this happen to a guy who's been pretty influential on YouTube. Like, really mm-hmm. one of the biggest names for a long, long time. But, yeah. it's uh, I definitely don't think you can get that after. Uh, you get that award after you shoot a gun at someone. I'd like to hope so. Um, oh, other gaming news, actually. Have you seen this thing about Mick Gordon? Uh, the guy who made the, the soundtrack for Doom, and he's yeah. doing an absolute fucking riot right now with uh, the guys over at id Software and Bethesda. Yeah. Um, over rights uh, to songs some, and stuff. Something to do with the fact that he was, he did five hours worth of recording, and he was only paid for two and a half, but they used all five hours of the recording. And then when he, you know, called them out on it, he was like, Rick, shut up, here's a six figure sum. Don't say anything about it. I'll get taken care of. Yeah, and it never really was. No. There's a lot of stuff as well, but the, the mastering of the, the soundtracks, like the way it's all supposed to come out in the final version, and you can see the final audios that come out of the tricks he's done, and then they hired someone to work with him um, as like an assistant. And he, like, you see the tracks the assistant made and the tracks he made, and it's like our... You can see audio waves. I mean, obviously, we're doing the podcast, the podcast recording right now, and I'm looking at the uh, the audio waves as I was speaking, and I can tell when things are getting too loud and too, uh, too quiet, so I can adjust mm-hmm. things as they go. And when music gets put into uh, a system like this, it should be there should be like ups and downs. If you look at the tracks the other guy made, it's just solid blocks of noise. Like there's no ups and downs, no variations to give yeah. the hint as to when high notes and low notes are coming in. And it's like, oh, it's a, it's a mess, but obviously it's all tagged under uh, Mick Gordon's name. So he's get, he's like, my name's been kind of dragged through the mud a little bit because I wasn't actually given the time or the money or the uh, the resources necessary to make the, the Doom soundtrack work the way I thought it would. But yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff of back and forth. And now uh, Bethesda and its Software are saying, actually what he's saying isn't, isn't correct in any way, uh, shape or form. And we've got files to prove it. You know, what's going on? Why? Why is this happening again? I mean, the last time we we're on, it was the uh, voice actress for uh, what's it? For Bayonetta. 
for Bayonetta. There it is. Sorry, the name has totally escaped me today. Names yeah. are just really hard for me to be honest. Um, yeah. yeah, the Bayonetta voice actress. That whole shenanigans and shambles went on, and then we have this coming up again against one of the guys who's probably one of the most beloved sound uh, or one of the beloved music creators in gaming right now. Yeah, and to have something like that happen, what within a month of uh, Helena Taylor basically lying through her teeth to try and get more money. It's, it's, it's a shitty thing. Like If you're going to hire someone to do a job and then try and shortchange them on that job, like what the fuck are you doing? And then to go a step further than that and say, oh yeah, like we put your name to it because we, you said we couldn't. No. Nope. It's, it's fucked. Yeah. I don't know if this made it onto one of the last podcast recordings we did, but it's a shame to see that something we love and enjoy so much is now big enough to be grifted by people who just want to make money and who don't want to make something, yeah. you know, worthwhile. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, gaming's fun. <laughs> Remember that that was the objective of gaming, was just to be a fun escape from reality. And now it's just kind of shit. Um, yeah. There, there was one actual thing I wanted to talk about from the, the Game Wars, I forgot about this. Um, best narrative... Uh, getting a nominee or Elden Ring getting a, na- a nomination for best narrative. I don't know what they're talking about here. Maybe that's just best storytelling because, in terms of world building and storytelling, Elden Ring is just another classic uh, FromSoft game with George R. R. Martin wedged right in the middle of it. So that's kind of great. But in terms of like the actual storytelling of the game, there's kind of not a lot there. You get to kind of dig I for the think story. It's a Dark Souls type game where there's plenty of story to find. You have to spend a long time finding documents and reading through it, and you know, getting balls deep in the lore to actually get anything out of it. Yeah, there's a reason guys like Vatividia exist in the Dark Souls community. It's because we need somebody like that to piece together the the broad storytelling that's involved. And when the storytelling is all laid out in front of you, it's fantastic. It's great. It's epic, and weirdly sad and personal at the same time. But in terms of what you're actually presented with, in terms of a like a single narrative throughout a gameplay, it's, it's not really what I'd say is one of the best stories of the year. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if you want to nominate Stray, I get it. That's fine. Go for it again. Uh, nominate Stray for everything. Why not? Um, just because, you know, cute cat game. But yeah, I that's getting way too no- many nominations, actually. I, I do like Stray. I've enjoyed playing it. And I've, I've still not finished it, but I, I've enjoyed my time with it. But the idea that that is getting nominations for the absolute game of the year, I'm a bit off on that one as well, to be honest. Yeah. Um, now, for, for me, I'd love Xenoblade 3 to win, but when it's going up against God of War and Stray and uh, Horizon Ring, Forbidden West. Kind of, yeah. Aye, Horizon Forbidden West. It's kind of unfair. It's genuinely unfair. Uh, as much as I'd, I'd love to see it, just like, kind of, hey, fuck you. Yeah, I think Xenoblade, Xenoblade's a shoo-in, I think, for soundtrack of the year, because while God of War has good music, I don't really think the music stand out. Xenoblade and games like that have that kind of dynamic soundtrack. Mm. So when you're hitting big damage, the music changes. When you're kind of getting the shit kicked out of you, the music changes. The, the game is kind of built around it. Yeah. I think it deserves more of a shout-out than... Something like Elden Ring, where it's all just operatic, good, good music, but just kind of that heavy operatic sound. Mm. I am um, interesting. Best art direction, uh, Scorn's on the list. 
don't know if you've seen any footage from Scorn, but it's basically uh, H.R. Geiger artwork in yeah, space. I, I haven't played it. I watched uh, my brother play it, and I just remember thinking, this doesn't look fun. You have some kind of weird penis gun that you shove into openings. Yeah, it's I mean, H.R. Geiger. If you, if you know H.R. Geiger, <laughs> you, you, the phrase penis gun isn't going to be too outworldly, too out there for you, but yeah. you just kind of go around with this dick gun, and then occasionally you can stick your hand into a crevice and then connect your veins to it or something. I was like, this game would be so much better if they removed the combat from it and just made it a pure puzzle game. Yeah, like It didn't look fun, and it didn't look great either. I, I, I think in terms of like its art direction, in terms of like what they actually made and what they, they put the stuff like... The, the, the creation and the idea of like what's going on in the world is awesome. I think in terms of how they represented that with all the, the really dark colours, it didn't quite translate well. But in terms of like following a HR Geiger sketch, it's impressively accurate. Yeah, I mean the the design of it is meant it, it does what it's meant to be. It's meant to be a uh, Geiger inspired and it definitely looks at like that. For me the uh, the game design doesn't really Bet it well. It doesn't translate well to 3D. Mm. All right, so it's it's worth maybe a look, but maybe not buying. Really, you know. <laughs> yeah, if you have Game Pass, check it out. But if not, I'd say you could give it a miss. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's weird, but I, I'm looking through articles and stuff on the the different nominees and stuff like that, and I don't see too much that stands out for me. I mean, there, there's the best community support. Uh, Destiny 2 might be it in the past um, but mm. I don't know if Destiny 2 is really around as a community anymore uh, actually even Forbes have called it Saifu is you know, why is that doing on the best fighting game list but it's not really, it's PvE not PvP yeah <laughs> and they even they hate most anticipated which is just what's the most well marketed game at this point and gaming hype culture is just fucking toxic at this point um, yeah yeah I think we could, yeah. I, 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 I just the game awards every year just come back around, and you're like, I don't know why we're doing this. Are we doing it so we feel like the big boys now? I, I feel like gaming has always had that kind of little brother, uh, feel to it, where it's always trying to stand up and say, no, I'm just as important and relevant as TV shows and movies, and I get my own award show that's just as good as yours. And it just, I'm like, who gives a shit? Is this really like what we're doing with our time with the game awards? There's a few in there that you kind of want to see succeed and be recognised um, for what they've achieved this year, but at the same time, I, it's a weird thing that the community just decided we need an award show. Or actually, I don't think community decided at all. I think award advertisers definitely had a big say in what makes it. Um, and I think, again, that's why we see stuff like Uncharted make it into the best adaptation list. Yeah. I think I think you hit the nail on the head there by saying we just wanted to kind of be noticed. Kind of, oh yeah, we we deserve our, our award show, but then at the time or currently, everyone's just kind of saying, "Well, no one else wants award shows." People are turning away from the Oscars and mm. you know whatever can other <laughs> awards there are and just things like that. And the game awards were like, "Well, fuck it, we established this. We're going to keep it going for no reason, if not just to piss off gamers." <laughs> yeah. So I guess we move on to some actually good news. Um, there's a new Skindred album in the works somewhere. <laughs> it's going to take a while to get there. Um, they gave me a new single out uh, called Give Me That Boom. I really dig it. It feels a lot like uh, kind of classic Skindred. 
um mm. and it's, it's but it's obviously got all their all the tricks uh, all the tricks and stuff that they've learned over the last couple of years of recording um sounds fantastic and the video for it's amazing i don't know if you actually sat down and watched the youtube video or the music video for it um but there's directed by a guy called steve clark and if you watch the the amount of editing that goes into like putting together all these cuts there's a sequence where they walk across the like the room but it's not like they all walk across as a group it's they all walk across the same area and the cut just goes from like person a b c a b c and it rotates through like the entire band about six times in the time it takes them to cross a room and it looks phenomenal like they're all just kind of weirdly in sync with each other to the point where i'm like i don't know how he did that it must have taken like 10 or six, 10 or uh 15 shots on each person to get it all to sync up that way it's really impressive it's directed by a guy called steve clark i don't know who he what he's really done but i'm gonna check out more of his stuff if that's anything to go by but there's a lot of stuff where it's like it takes down um like the drum set like the drum set will disappear one bit at a time but the drummer looks like he's constantly playing uh, on on the parts that are still there and you're like that's really impressive to sync it all up with the music as well but yeah i'm wholly looking forward to it when a new album drops next august which is a bit disappointing hmm. i mean keeping the hype alive for oh, how long it'll be seven eight months at this point if it releases in early august um yeah that's gonna be it's gonna be hard but i suppose if they keep like dropping little singles in that here and there um have you seen skinder live you seen skinder live uh twice okay good i'll say if not we're definitely crossing that one off the list next time no uh, i went to see there was a gig for skinder or i think they played i might have seen them at download actually I it was at download. I went to see them, and then they played the Jägermeister tour, where Jägermeister sponsored it and basically slashed the hell at the ticket prices, so it was a fiver to get Holy in. Shit. I remember I bought a, I think about thirty quid's worth of tickets and just hand them out to people. It's like, dude, we're going. Like, it's a skinhead show for a fiver. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, if next time they're in town, definitely buying tickets. Oh, and that was the other cool thing about that tour, uh, with your five pound entry. Uh, you were basically paying two fifty for the show, and the other two fifty when you arrived, uh, a Jägermeister clad, a uh, bartender, be, be they male or female, handed you a shot of Jägermeister, <laughs> and I still have the Jägermeister shot glass sitting downstairs. Well, kind of fucking idiot for paying for mine now. <laughs> no, it's not like a glass one; it's a plastic one. It's, like, it's quite oh. a tall one as well. But oh. yeah, uh, that was probably. Probably their best gig, but as with every gig round about that era, because it was about 2015, 2016, I went to see them. Uh, some idiots started hardcore pitting during one of the band, one of the heavier bands. Dude, stop it. Yeah, go home. You're not welcome. <laughs> yeah. Although I didn't, I didn't have that problem. Segway uh, at Clutch uh, last Friday, a week, a week today, oh, a week nice. yesterday, a week. Previously, fucking hell on. Like how to speak, you prick. A week, a week uh, ago. Get... Yeah, a week ago, using the proper language, uh, I got kind of ambushed by my older brothers. It's uh, it's my birthday in a week, or whenever this came out, my birthday's either about to happen or already has happened. Uh, so my my brothers just kind of said, right, we couldn't think what to get you. Since the clutch were coming to town, uh, we bought you tickets for that. So I was like, okay, fucking brilliant. 
uh, since Left 4 Dead 2 came out in the early 2000s. Uh, I've been fucking waiting to see this band. So, find out that I had tickets for it. I've been waiting since about 2009 to see this band. Uh, so, I went to the gig and it was fucking phenomenal. Although it was at the O2 Academy, I sat at the balcony for the first two bands. Mm-hmm. One of them was really good. A band called Green Lung. They're kind of stoner rock. Really, really loved that band. The lead singer looked like Charlie Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think from South London. Really good band. I would urge you to check them out. Yeah. Uh, if you're a fan of Muse, I would urge you to check out the other support band. Was a band called Tiger Cub. Yeah, and they were all right, but it's just they, they did sound a bit musy, and I'm not a fan of Muse at all. Yeah, Muse have a sound, and if you're not up for it, it just doesn't really sit well. Yeah. And they both played quite short sets. I think the Tiger Cub had half an hour, uh, Green Lung had 40 minutes, 45 minutes, and then that because they were on till about half eight then from half eight till about 11 it was just clutch clutch played a hell of a long set and it was fucking brilliant did they make it to the uk a lot or is it uh well i genuinely think this might be the first time they've done a uk tour in a while since i found out about them hmm. maybe they're just like okay we know it's been a while here's the show a very very american band uh so it might it's probably not easy to get to the UK to tour every time they get a new record out. Mm. Well, at least you got a good gig out of it. I mean, there's nothing worse than going to be disappointed. I don't think I've actually been disappointed by a gig yet. I'm very selective about what I go see, but yeah, I, I normally go see bands that've got a couple of tours under their belt. Um, mm. And obviously, by the time you get to playing O2 arenas and O2 like the Academy, the Hydro, and stuff like that, you're, you're pretty well tested by the time you get there. Yeah, the only band I've been disappointed to see live was Corn, because hmm. uh, Jonathan Davis just didn't want to be there. It was like one song. It's like here's fucking here's the next song. Like here's freaking Alish. Here's make me bad. Right, fuck you. We're Corn. See you later. Did no talking <laughs> to the crowd. No crowd work. And it was just literally they sang the last song. It's like goodbye, motherfuckers. Drop the mic. Or like, I'm if I remember right, they didn't even yeah, Jonathan Davis didn't even connect the mic up again. He just or dropped the mic. He just kind of connected back up and fucked off. It was like, Okay. Good set, but it was a quick one. Uh, good songs, but the, wow. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yes. Was that in Glasgow? Or was that like Scotland? Or was that like. That was a download in oh, 2009. Right. Mm. See, that's why I'm quite glad that I, I went to download because I can see, oh, like, I can see, I've seen Def Leppard, seen Motley Crue, I've seen uh, Trivium, Devil Driver, I've even seen uh, Five Finger Death Punch, who were. Uh, they were good, but I, I remember uh, they were throwing sort of picks, and uh, I I almost caught one, but the guy behind me hit me with his elbow, and then caught the pick because he, he seen me grab him. I was like, all right, I was going for that. Now I have a fucking welt on the back of my head. Cheers, buddy, dickhead. Actually, if you want to talk about download, the new uh, list was announced for their twenty twenty three show, which is in two hundred and one days. Is the website in front of you? Uh, Metallica are playing it too. Uh, lineups at the festival uh, with unique play sets for both which is impressive but I guess like you've got the back catalogue for it um, mm. then you've got Bring Me The Horizon uh, not a big fan of them a few decent songs but yeah um, oh Slipknot um, this is the 20th anniversary of download so yeah Slipknot definitely belong on that list and especially with the new album being really good um, I mean I think I think we talked about the new Slipknot album I think with the exception of Adderall good album 
Um, although Adderall yeah, has grown on me a little bit. I, I, I tried listening to Adderall again, and it's, just, it's still not a good song. It just doesn't fit in with the rest of the record. I think uh, something up to me have always been a very heavy band, and to hear one hear a song like that on a Slipknot record that takes it that slow, it's like, nah, this is a, a Stone Sour song at best. Yeah, it, it doesn't quite fit in, although to be fair, they do actually, they've increased the number of like slow songs, there's always one in the album um, yeah. since, say, number four, I mean, Sulphur probably would be the start of the kind of slower songs, but even then that was kind of like a, compared to Adderall and stuff that's in the newer yeah. stuff, like, yeah, that's not really the same thing. Um... There's also Architects, Disturbed, Placebo coming back. I, you know what? I wouldn't mind seeing Placebo. Um, Evanescence. I don't see Architects. Architects are alright, but Evanescence, can we just leave them in the early 2000s where they belong? <laughs> Evanescence, I, I kind of want to see it just for the train wreck. I don't imagine it's going to go well. Uh, Ghost are making an appearance. That's all, that is worth watching. Um, yeah. Parkway Drive. Holy shit. Speaking of leave yep. it in the 2000s. Alex is on fire as well. Pendulum are coming back. Back in oh. the day, Pendulum. <laughs> I mean, I've seen Pendulum live as well, and they put on a fucking show. I think the only reason Pendulum got cut short is because I wanted to go and see Motley Crue. But Pendulum put on a fucker of a show. Like, their their setup will actually leave you with permanent blindness. Use that many lights. Uh, within Temptation, uh, they've done quite a few downloads, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um... They've not played Donington in eight, nearly eight years, so welcome them back, please. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also in the list, uh, Beamoth, Bloodywood, um, I see they're in there. Uh, there's only like 60 bands announced, there's definitely got to be more. Um, but uh, there was also Three Days Gracer on the list, speaking of leaving stuff back in the day. Cedar are on the list. Interesting. I quite like Cedar. But that's one of the things I notice whenever these lists come out, is that there's a lot of people on here I don't recognise. So the kids must be putting out music at a hell of a pace because I don't recognise the majority of these bands. What the fuck is Crash Face, Crawlers, Dead Sarah? Uh, there's one called Jasmine B. Enough. That's it. I'm just saving the list. I'm going to go through the entire download Donington list in the next 200 days and bring back reviews of each and every one. Yeah. I, I, I get that as well because even when there's gigs that I've looked at and I was like, I'll go and see them. It's like, I don't know who the fuck these are. It was the same with Clutch. I was like, okay. Obviously I know who Clutch are. Who the fuck are Tiger Cub? Who the fuck are Greenlung? And then I was looking through other gigs that I was thinking about going to. I was like, okay, Lamb of God, but who the fuck could they turn with? <laughs> yeah, that's good though, because I mean, at least it worked out with Clutch, because you've watched the, walked away with one good band and a band that you might recommend to your friend who likes Muse. Yeah, I mean, I'd recommend Tiger Cub because they're not a bad band. Mm. You don't, like, it's not a. They're not as bad as that band that I seen download that tried to get everyone to do the. The Slipknot Zero bullshit test. It was like, yeah, you're not doing that. You're some weird screamo band from Wales. Whatever you're going to shout about isn't going to work. <laughs> uh, but no, they they played really well. the The lead singer looked like the guy from Stranger Things. You know the one that's always eating the watsits in the arcade with a long sort of brown hair. Um, are we talking like the? I'm blanking on this one. I can't remember the guy's name, but he's basically trying to. He makes a deal with uh, Mike so he can get Nancy's phone number and he helps him. He gives him some kind of help. Drawing a blank here, mate. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, he looked like that guy. That's the only thing I can genuinely see. Talk about Steve Harrington. Yeah. No, not Steve Harrington. I not like Steve Harrington. 
Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, um, fucking matter. doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that's always a good thing about going to see a gig. The one thing that fucking bugged me to no end uh, about the the gig was when I was up in the seating area, uh, you know, it was perfectly fine, no issues whatsoever. When I went down to standing, because I thought, well, I don't really want to stand, or I don't really want to sit for clutch. And, you know, the O2 Academy are quite stingy about If you're in the seating area, you can't just fucking walk into the standing area. I did. No one stopped me. It was pretty cool. Uh, like it didn't even the, the security guard didn't even say, "Oh, can I see your ticket?" I just kind of walked straight through. Uh, right. If you walk where cool. you belong, you get through. Yeah. Uh, but there was a couple of guys next to me who spilled, I think maybe two whole pints worth of beer over me and the people in front of me because they were just sitting dancing away, like head banging away. With a beer in their hand. Yeah, that's like, kind dude, of a I, dickhead move. I was like, the minute I got, like, I was, as soon as the gig finished, I was like wiping myself down because I just had beer all over my hair and like all over my beard and just covered my right arm. But that wasn't even the worst thing. There was a guy standing next to me who just, in the middle of one of the clutches, uh, the middle of clutches set, got hit in the head with a pint glass. Shit. And because I just heard the guy going, "Holy shit!" And he ducked down like some guy up in the up near the bar. Because you've been to the Auto Academy before, right? Yeah, that's where Arch Enemy were. Yeah. Uh, so there's the kind of bar, then there's steps down in the sort of main pit area near the stage. Uh, this some guy up at the bar just lobbed his pint and sconed this guy right on the head next to me. I kind of got covered and get more beer. Motherfucker! What a fuck? Like, if you're like, gonna go, if like spilling if you're beer, dick move. But like throwing a, a beer yeah. glass across a bo- across a place like that, fucking cunt move. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna take a beer with you, don't take it into the pit. Yeah. And if you're gonna if you feel like throwing something, make sure it's something that's not gonna cause someone severe damage if it hits them in the head. Yeah. Like just just stand off to the side, enjoy it. Don't just fucking throw like don't start like just full on dancing. Just you know stand yeah. in the corner, Bobby Hello, enjoy your beer, enjoy the show. Don't be a fucking yeah. dick. Yeah, absolutely. That, that that is just gig one one. Don't be a dick to anybody. Aye, <laughs> uh, clutch only really. They're a heavy. Obviously, they're a heavy metal band, but they don't. Uh, they're not really a, a pit band. Yeah. So it was just a lot of people kind of you know head banging, jiving, like getting carried away with the music. Really, really good gig. Uh, one that I'm glad has been uh, crossed off the list. Next on the list is a. Uh, Motley Crue and Def Leppard at Hamden. So, boom, my first time going to a gig there. Guaranteed uh, tickets yeah. are going to be expensive. <laughs> I absolutely go mm-hmm. for that one. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, my next gig is in a month, and it is Bad Wolves in Glasgow. Going to the Cat House for the first time. So, yeah, can't wait to oh, see. Oh, dude, the Cat House. <laughs> I, have, I have a kind of love-hate relationship with the Cat House. I love the Cat House for gigs. But if you ask me to go to the cat house just for a drink, you will drag me kicking and screaming. <laughs> uh, I'm trying it's... to see who else they're with because somebody asked me who are Bad Wolves playing with. And I'm like, I have no idea. Hmm. And it's in a month. See, I've heard Bad Wolves before, but wasn't really a massive fan. They just kind of sounded like Five Finger Death Punch light. They're they're adjacent. I mean, the fact that Tommy Vext was able to jump over and cover Ivan Moody's uh, lyrics when Ivan Moody went to hospital that one time. Uh, he mm. went to, went to rehab. For a mental breakdown in the middle of a, um, of a performance, basically, 
Um, but it only shows as Bad Wolves and doors open at 7. Uh, and it's like 20 quid a ticket, so it's worth it. Yeah, not bad. Uh, they've got the new vocalist in, though. And yeah, he's actually really good. Uh, once you get over the fact that he's not um, Tommy Vex, you're like, okay, it's not so bad. Um, yeah. But I can't see whoever else is playing with them. And it just shows as Bad Wolves on like five or six different sites. But yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't wait to see. I'll let you know how it goes because uh, it could be good. It could be great, actually, depending on how the the performance goes. But I, actually, Scottish gig crowd will be well up for it. Yeah, uh, but so I even at a shit gig, the crowd can make it a good gig. Yeah. So I remember going to see uh, Devon Townsend at the Garage, which Garage is probably my least favorite uh, venue in. In Glasgow. Yeah, that's where I saw Devil Driver. It's way too small. Like, what are we doing here? (laughs) The pit actually includes several bricks from the wall. That's how fucking tight it is. And the first band that they had on was just, it was a local band, but they were, I don't know if it was Nerves or what have you, maybe they just hadn't played live that often, but they were just eating all kinds of ass. (laughs) They were were not doing well whatsoever. (laughs) But the crowd kind of, you know, was patient. The crowd got them into it. So they managed to salvage salvage it somewhat yeah a good a good crowd can make a gig even if the band isn't that great in the interest of continuing the show along <laughs> did you not hear uh, me whisper i don't know how to segue this one <laughs> yeah i'm gonna leave that and we're gonna leave in all this dead air where we talk random bollocks uh, Macaroni. You know one, just thinking about it one game that i'm surprised never got nominated in any category or maybe it did and i just didn't notice was a uh, death loop hmm that's quite a fun game. It's just that I got into it, and then the the quote unquote loop of the game got up, got boring quite often. It got boring quite quickly. Because the whole point of the game is you start off as this guy, a colt. You don't really, you can't remember anything. You've just been thrown into this uh, world where you last a full day and like four cycles of the day. Like, then the day repeats itself, and you've basically got it figure out all a whole bunch of shit in this one day while avoiding uh, a girl called Juliana who has some tight cult and uh, she's basically trying to kill you throughout the, the whole game but if you kill her you get cool powers and shit you get cool guns uh, but if you can avoid her you can uh, progress through the story and figure out like the whole story behind this world that's stuck in time and it's a really cool game it's, it's kind of roguelike in the sense that you only start off with a certain gun, it's not a powerful gun, but if you continue with that gun you can get more important abilities and better weapons and things like that. Yeah, and you're looking back but, through the same kind of material same kind of content again and again and again to see how it's changed yeah. each time. Yeah, and you can infuse weapon if you get a good gun, you can infuse it with this thing called residuum, which means you carry it over in between loops. And I it, by all means, it's not a bad game. It's, I actually really, really enjoy it for the first... I think I spent about 15, 16 hours on it for the first 8 hours of that game. I was like, holy shit, this is pretty good. But mm. when you realise that you're doing the exact same thing yeah. over and over again, it gets quite boring. I think that was similar to the view I heard of um, the game from a few other people where it was like, it's good. I really enjoy this. This mechanic's cool. This is fun. Uh, this is like I think it was Juliana. You said like that was apparently a very like hard boss, um, effectively, yeah. and the fact that she's hunting you down is an interesting twist rather than you know you going to her. Um, yeah. But beyond that, I think it was once the kind of veil dropped on the mechanic of looping back, back and forwards again, and again, and again. It just kind of a lot of people just said oh, it didn't quite pay off for me. 
Um, but yeah, a lot of people enjoyed playing the game and enjoyed a lot of yeah. the like what was there. But at the same time, it didn't quite seal the deal for a lot of people. Yeah, and that's kind of that's my problem with it. But it also came along at the time where I was—I mean, I was playing that before just to kind of, you know, what it's like when you've got Game Pass. You think, "I'll oh, I'll try this game out and see how it plays." But it was basically just a. This was the game that I was playing until Bayonetta came out, and now that I'm playing Bayonetta, I'm like, "Okay, let's go full steam ahead with Bayonetta three because it's a game I've been waiting off, waiting for for quite a while, and Deathloop can just kind of get put on the back burner until I decide to go back to." It. Maybe that's the point. I mean, if it doesn't have the staying power to distract you from another game, is it kind of worth saying, you know, possible game of the year, indie game of the year, action game, whatever, is, is it really the best if you immediately drop it, or we're just kind of using it as a placeholder? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely get what you're saying. Then again, Bayonetta is a game that I've been waiting for. When did Bayonetta 2 come out? Uh, Bayonetta, Bayonetta 2 came out on the Wii U. Not too far after it launched so yeah. it's been a while <laughs> good few years and it, don't get me wrong Bayonetta 3 is a pretty damn good game uh, there's only one thing that I would really say that makes it slightly lesser than other titles and that's nothing to do with Bayonetta, the combat in Bayonetta 3 and what they've done with the character in Bayonetta 3 is really really good, it's one of the additional characters who, well she plays quite well, her combat style is very fun her character is just a pain in the ass I would describe it as um, scrappy do like. Oh no, never a good yeah. description for anything. It's bad. She's just being at us. This is described as this kind of you know, ca- uh, this cool, calm and collective, or calm and collected uh, person. That's just no matter what the situation, being at her will stay. You know, she'll be the cool hand in the in the hot situation. Uh, and Viola, who's uh, the young witch in training, who you play as, who she's got this magic. She's got a sword that's enchanted with her sort of pack demon that she can summon. She's described as a hothead, and she's she's wanting to do things on her own. She's about to prove herself. She's, like, oh, she, I was about to say she's going to prove herself to the fucking game. <laughs> I was going to say she's about to prove herself to everyone that thought she couldn't do the job. And you're like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Here's every argument for the next five hours is going to be started by her. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And the worst part is. Uh, her combat style is really fun. See, when you get used to it, it takes a while because when you play as Bayonetta, you've got so many different combat options. You've got uh, three different sets of guns that you can use. You've got about four or five different unique weapons all have their own unique uh, moveset with them and they can summon unique demons using that skill set. And then you go to Viola and she's got one demon and not a lot of options with her one weapon. So mm-hmm. maybe as the game progresses, she gets some more stuff, but as it stands, she's just kind of, oh, i got a sword and some darts. Well, I've just went from a walking arsenal in Benetta to a woman with a sword, a magic cat, and some exploding darts. Mm. Oh, by the way, uh, Bayonetta 2, 2014. So, eight years. Eight years, fucking hell, yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> and another graybeard grey growing Dom's beard. <laughs> it's another layer of just grey seeps in. Yeah. <laughs> uh um, I, I bumped into somebody I hadn't seen for ages at work because they work in a different department. And they're like, your beard's gotten greyer. I'm like, cute. <laughs> it's called old age. Patches us all. Yeah. I uh, speaking of old age, and this is something I found quite interesting with the last couple of months. I think we've talked a bit before about Quentin Tarantino's podcast, uh, the movie archive podcast. 
mm-hmm. which he runs with uh, Roger Avery and Roger Avery's daughter uh, Gala, who's a very good addition to like their dynamic because they just they would just go at each other nonstop about little things in movies for ages. And uh, if you listen to Quentin Tarantino talk about film, it goes from zero to one hundred really fast. And he has been working on that through the course of his podcast. And it turns out he was writing a book as well at the same time, uh, Cinema Speculation. And he's been around doing uh, the book tour, which is now like half normal media, half like radio shows, half interviews, uh, or and then like another half is just other people's podcasts, which is always fun because it just means that more people just kind of prod Quentin Tarantino and just have him vomit out more information about films. So you, you learn a lot. Yeah. Um, but I, I've started listening to the audiobook for uh, Cinema Speculation. It's, it's interesting. He's it's seeing a lot of stuff that I've heard him say before in interviews. Uh, but like if you didn't go out of your way to find those interviews with like Channel 4 uh, back in the day when he was promoting uh, like I think it was for a lot of the stuff, a lot of his good interviews come from Inglorious Bastards and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But like you really want to hear yeah. him talk about like, stuff like Django Unchained. Um, and he um he's been talking a lot about like different podcasts and interviews and stuff like that. But he uh, his opening chapter he does the opening chapter for his book, which is good. Uh, but then he switches over to somebody else who does the kind of narration for him. Um, but his opening chapter, I think he explained that he's trying. He says, "I've always made films with the intent of making it feel as energetic. You should, as an audience member, be as energetic as uh." the audience for a Jim Brown black exploitation movie in the 1970s. And I'm like, that does make sense. I do want to jump up and cheer every time somebody gets their comeuppance in a, in a, a Quentin Tarantino movie. You know, I, I do feel very energetic watching it. Like you get really kind of hyped up yeah. by what he shows you. Kind of impressive. I'm like, he, he is actually going for it. But uh, he's been talking a lot because obviously he's, uh, he said he has 10 good films in him and once he's done 10, he's going to retire. Um, but he said uh, that a... I think he says that about like films for streaming platforms don't count, and obviously he's done TV work and he's getting ready to make a TV show, mm. um, which I think is going to be for a streaming platform and it's going to be like eight episodes or something like that. But there's a lot of speculation out there for you know what what his next project is going to be because obviously the the last film that he wants to make is coming up and it's like it's interesting to see he's shifted into this kind of uh, analytical role or just kind of like his guru stage. Of being a, a film critic, almost of being like part of the film community, it's an interesting shift from to make from being you know this weird uh, eccentric filmmaker to just kind of being the old wise man, which is it's, it's a fun yeah. transition. He's definitely worth it while listening to. Um, but yeah, it's, he's he's interesting. I'll give him that. Quentin Tarantino, he went through a whole load of shit to get, uh, or after. Django Unchained came out, and then every other film that he put out afterward was just kind of held to that measuring stick, saying, "Oh well, how racist is it going to be? How bad is it going to be? It's going to be a Quentin Tarantino film. It's not. It's going to be going to be different. Like just let the film come out." Yeah. Then yeah. he, he kind of shot himself in the foot long after. Or well, I'll finish my the point before I get into that. It's good. You got to imagine going through all that to get one film put out, and then he turned around and said, "Oh, guess what? I'm going to do another film." You know, imagine that's got to be fucking exhausting. Mm-hmm. Trying to be back flipping through so much red tape. Yeah, and and to put your whole yeah, effort into making these movies. Absolutely. The, he kind of shot himself in the foot by saying, oh, the reason why I can't get my films financed anymore is because Harvey Weinstein doesn't run Miramax anymore. I'm like, 
<laughs> shouldn't have said that. <laughs> really shouldn't have said that. Oh boy. Like, yeah, like, we're all thinking it, but you should never say it. <laughs> hey, don't say it out loud. What's wrong with you? I, I can't trust my old perverted boss to give me money anymore. He's in jail for sexually assaulting dozens of women. <laughs> Man, when's he coming back? Shut up, Quentin. <laughs> Oh man, I wish Harvey would come back. I haven't made a film in ages. Like, dude, shut up. Stop talking. <laughs> but he, he's one of the few people I'd say right now, in terms of like a director that I, I'm going out my way to see um, for his, whatever films or whatever he's going to make. I need to hunt down. I didn't know he did this. But apparently he did two episodes of either, either like Law and Order or um, he did some like procedural cop show. He did two episodes that he wrote and directed himself. I'm like, I'd love to see him take on procedural cop shows. Although I do want to give him some shit, actually. Um, he's been covering uh, different films, and he was working with Eli Roth for the podcast. Uh, Eli, Eli Roth was, was the first kind of guest outside the main cast and crew for the, the show that they're doing. And they started talking about Giallo films, which are Italian kind of... Um, it's kind of like a crime movie, but it's closer to a slasher film. Um, it's it's gonna sound really bad. It's gonna sound really wrong, and it's definitely the wrong way to contextualize an entire like eighties and nineties genre of Italian filmmaking. But the mm. films are essentially a version of like a film version of a game of Among Us. In that there are there's an unknown oh, done it. yeah there's an unknown killer in amongst a small group of characters, and they go around bopping off every other character member until it comes down to the hero and the killer. So it's kind of like a, a slasher film in a certain sense. Kind of hard to define, but since they started discussing Jello yeah. films, I've heard the term Jello on at least four different movie-themed podcasts or shows that I watch and listen to. So that's the influence this podcast already has, and it's at like episode 20. Impressive work that's been done by those guys, but at the same time, I'm fed up of hearing about Jello filmmaking. It's <laughs> it's low budget kind of slasher horror Italian kind of rip off movies from the eighties, and it sounds fascinating yeah. at the same time. It it's it's like everyone learned a new word at the same time, and it showed up everywhere at the same time. And I was yeah. like, why is everyone spouting this term that I've never heard of before, and apparently has been around yeah. forever, but is now just popping back in the lexicon. Uh, what you've just said is exactly the reason why I stopped listening to the the Dead Meat podcast. Because before they started doing targeted um, episodes, where it's just like, we're going to talk about this film, this time, this film, at that time, they started talking a bit more generally about horror films. They used the phrase Argento, as in Dario Argento and his sort of horror films, so often. I was like, okay, this is going to get out there. And then even on Twitter, because, you know, uh, whatever you look up, Twitter finds is, oh, you're interested in that? I'm just going to flood your feed with that. And they're talking about, Everybody was talking about fucking Argento films. Like, oh, films peaked at Argento and never got better. Stop using that word, you fucked. <laughs> you just literally heard about it once and then spouted it off without knowing what it means. Oh, It was like when, if you've got younger sort of siblings or you've got nieces and nephews, when they hear a word and just repeat it constantly. Like, when my niece was about three years old, she, or when she was about five or six years old, she heard the word fart. And repeated, repeated it constantly because <laughs> she thought it was funny. She's not wrong. <laughs> it is funny, but at the same time, don't just repeat things because you, they make you giggle or because they make you sound smart. 
well, it seems like things have come full circle as we'll come to talking about the fact that we may only make fart jokes to actually making fart jokes towards the end of the podcast. We're going to cut things a little bit short here in this episode. I, it's probably going to come through. I'm hoping to catch most of this in the edit, but there has been technical issues with the entire night of recording. I'm a robot voice. Dom's a robot voice. There was a dog in the background at some point. It's all getting a bit messy, so we're going to kind of cut the episode off here. I'm going to give you a quick elevator pitch before we leave, um, but I just wanted to say... I mean, if we're, we're still recording remotely, there's always going to be a dog in the background. Yeah. Um, there's, we'll try and get things... Uh, we'll get another episode out. I think that's the way we make things up to people, is to get another episode yep. uh, broadcast out. Maybe as soon as possible, once we've finished this one. Um, but for now, I've got the elevator pitch. Um, I was going to basically return us to a YouTube channel that we'd previously covered, Totally Not Mark. Uh, we covered Totally Not Mark because Toy Animation, the people that make Dragon Ball Z decide to smite him in public uh, because he makes reviews of Dragon Ball Z and Japanese companies have a very interesting interpretation of what fair use law means. Um, but we covered that originally and um, after massive public outcry there was his channel was restored to him. Um, it took like getting half of YouTube involved um, and eventually they managed to get YouTube toy animation and totally not market the same kind of conference call sort things out and he got his channel back which is fantastic. Um, but he continues his review work, which is good because you know, kind of, it's nice to see that he kept going with it. Because there was a point where he was considering quitting YouTube, which would be a massive loss. And uh, I, I wanted to bring up his uh, review. It's like an hour and fifteen minutes of Dragon Ball GT, which is actually it seems like a large investment. But let me pitch it to you this way: you can either watch his hour and fifteen minutes review, which is like a good recap and review of what happens during the show, or you can sit down and watch Dragon Ball GT. Which do you prefer? Yeah, the review. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he has decided to sit down and do a, a nice big review. He's he's quite fair, actually, with it. I'll, I'll give him this. Most people would just turn it into like a dunk competition on the worst episodes. But where he found things he enjoyed, he brought it up. And where he found things he really despised, he obliterated it. So um, I'm going to post the link to his uh, review of Dragon Ball GT, which is, uh, I'll put that in our group chat. And you can find this in the show notes for the episode, as well as on social media, wherever that shows up. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's put the wrong thing in. I apparently pasted the wrong thing. Brilliant. Hey, you just pasted in the word GT Cinderella. Yeah, I took her name from the uh, the YouTube th- uh, for the thing earlier to just try and look at her and try and find out who she was via Google. I like that the thumbnail for this video just says, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> it's the appropriate view. Actually, funnily enough, he's one of the few people I can find that actually likes Super, Super Saiyan 4 design. So yeah, he's an interesting yeah, I mean, fellow. If you look, there's a lot of there's a lot of people, especially on uh, social medias and things like that, that say that Super Saiyan Four looks cooler than uh, Super Saiyan God and Super Saiyan Blue, and I kind of can see where they're coming from. But to me, Super Saiyan Four just looks like overdesigned crap. Well, uh, that thing is they're comparing the it to eyes. what we have now, which is fair. But at the same time, when we had just Dragon Ball Z and then straight to GT, there was nothing like Super Saiyan God to compare it to. And it just looked yeah. like over-designed crap that didn't make sense in the context of the sayings up to that point. So, yeah. yeah. I actually do have an elevator pitch this week. Uh, when I drop the channel in there, I don't know if I've spoken about them before, but I'm pretty sure you already know them. I uh, know who they are. It's uh, Rob at the uh, Comics Explained. Uh, fantastic YouTube channel. If, like me, you want to read all the comic books, you just don't have enough fucking time to do so. Uh, give his channel a look. Uh, he talks about all the comic books that you can't be bothered reading. Uh, if 
like me, you are not aligned to one particular comics house, he talks about them all. So give Rob a look. I guarantee you will not be bored by his videos. Right, that's going to do it for today's episode. I think that we'll have another one out as fast as humanly possible. When we fail to deliver on that promise, you can annoy us at gibberpish on Twitter, or you can contact us about the lack of episodes on gibberpishpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I've been Colin Graham. I've been Dom Anderson. That sounded so bad. You came through so scuffed and electronic. I might leave that one in just to prove a point. <laughs> this is why the episode's short, yeah, kids. Go for it. <laughs> I did it again. And we've been talking gibberfish. Or we've been trying to. This is the ghastly episode. <laughs>